Well, indeed, we do thank the Lord for the old rugged cross. And that's what brings us together this morning. Amen. That old rugged cross draws us together. It forgives us of our sins and puts us in a place where uh, we can worship the Lord this morning. And what a joy it is to, on one Sunday, celebrate the two ordinances that God gave to us. By ordinances, we mean the orders of baptism and the Lord's Supper. And to be able to do that in one day is a great joy. Uh, this morning, as we uh, look into God's Word for our meditation time, and that's our time where we just prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper. As we gather to meditate on God's Word this morning, we're going to be looking at just how much God loves us. And we're going to be doing that through a passage in 1 John. A survey was conducted a few years ago, and participants in the survey were asked this question. What three-word sentence would you most like to hear or have said to you? What three-word sentence would you most like to hear or have said to you? Here are the top three answers. Number three, supper is ready. <laughs> Raise your hand if you like those. Huh? Let me see your hands out there if you like those. Huh? Uh, number two, I forgive you. And number three, which was the top answer, that you got it, you got it, good job. I love you. These answers probably are not a big surprise to us because we're made to need food and we're made to be in right relationship with those around us. We're made to be loved and our greatest need in relationship to God is to be forgiven and I'm convinced that knowing really knowing that we're forgiven and that God loves us is the key to living the kind of life that God has called us to live and this morning we're going to be reminded of just how much God loves us through first John chapter 3 in verse 1. So if you have a Bible with you, would you turn there in your copy of God's Word to 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. Our meditation for the preparation of our hearts for the Lord's Supper this morning. 1 John chapter 3. Oh yes, yes. And if we can get our house lights on, and then if we can just if we can just leave those on, that would be incredible. Thank you all. Thank you, thank you, thank you. 1 John chapter 3. And verse 1. This one verse, listen to what it says about the power of God's love for us. See, or behold, what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. Can somebody say amen? The first thing I want you to notice from this single verse is the word see or the, or the word behold. In the Greek, it's a powerful word that calls our attention 
to look upon something very important. John says, hey, give me your attention. I'm going to share with you something that you don't want to miss. It's worth taking your eyes off of everything else right now that might distract you to listen to what I say, and that is this, see or behold what great love the Father has lavished upon us. That phrase there, what great love. Originally, in its earliest stages, that Greek phrase literally meant from another country. It came to mean manner or Custom. We might think about how those from another country, they have different manners or different customs. But originally it meant from some other country. And it's a way for John to say that the love of God is out of this world, so to speak. That, that it's something that we can't fully grasp that we can't fully understand. That it astonishes us, it amazes us. It creates wonder in us that a holy God, that our maker, that our creator loves us so much. The the behold what manner of love God has for us is meant to draw our attention to the fact that this love is otherworldly. That it's greater and it's deeper than any kind of love that we see anywhere around us. It's greater, church. It's greater than the love of a, of a mother or a father or the love that we might have for our spouse. In other words, it is a foreign kind of love. It is unusual. It is out of this world. I want you to understand this this morning, church, as we prepare to sit and to take of the bread and to take of the cup and be reminded of the body and blood of our Lord. I want you to be reminded this morning that God loves you more than anybody you love in your life. That God loves you more than anybody else loves you. God loves you more than you love your spouse or your kids or even your grandkids. Amen? Max Lucado has written much about love and God's love. And I I really am blessed by some of the things that he has written concerning how much God loves us. Uh, Max has said, God loves each and every one of us like there's only one of us to love. If God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If he had a wallet, your photo would be in it. He sends you flowers every spring and a sunrise every morning Face it, my friend, he is crazy about you. This passage reminds us that God's lavished his love upon us. That word lavished, it's a word that means given or granted or donated. It's it's a gift. God has given us the gift of his love. And this gift is one that can't be earned. It can't be bought. It's given freely. It can't be withdrawn from us and and it also is something that becomes a part of who we are the word lavish means to impart something that's permanent something that's abiding and and we know that, that that we see that through the reflection of how we're called children of God look at that in that verse see what great love the father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of 
God. And the Bible goes on to say, and that is what we are. The word called there in your Bible, verse 1, it's a word that refers not just to a title, not just what God designates us as, but it refers to a reality that we are literally the spiritual sons and daughters of the one true king. Can somebody say amen? That God calls us his children because that is what we are. When I think about this great love that God has for us, for me, I'm helped a little bit to know that I'm called a child of God. Because it helps me in thinking through the, the love, the unconditional love that I have for my own children. My children, certainly those of you that have children, you know that your children aren't perfect. You know that sometimes your children let you down. Sometimes your children will embarrass you. By the way, I've been known to embarrass my children. Can I get, a, can I get an amen from parents, huh? I've been, I have been known... To embarrass my children and be pretty good at it. I love it. It's a pastime I thoroughly enjoy. Last time I embarrassed my children, and I will do this from time to time by singing publicly. The last time I began to sing in public, in a public place, a total stranger joined in and started singing with me. <laughs> and I kind of embarrassed myself, I think, along with embarrassing them. I felt like I was in a musical or something, right? But I've been known to embarrass my kids, and my kids have been known to embarrass me. But I'll tell you one thing about my kids. My kids will always be my kids, and I'll always love them no matter what. And the same is true about me and about you this morning. I love the, the gift, the gift that Bob Goff, who is, I think, a pastor, he's an author, a conference speaker... I love the gift of love that he gave to his daughter when she had her first wreck as a new driver. And by the way, it, I identified a lot with it uh, because we've got a, a new driver in our home. Our, our daughter Madeline is now driving and she has her permit, which means that she can drive with another licensed driver in the vehicle with her. And so on occasion, Jessica and I, we take turns going out and riding in the passenger seat as she drives and she learns how to drive. Now, parents, you know this, when that first child begins to learn how to drive and you're in that passenger seat with them, uh, there is nothing that will improve your prayer life like that. Amen? Nothing that will improve your prayer life like that. Now, she's an incredible driver, but I'll just tell you, there's something quite different about having a child who's driving that big piece of metal as opposed to when she was driving that battery-operated princess car many years ago. That tore me up, by the way. But it's something completely different when they're in that big piece of steel and you're praying and teaching and helping them to learn how to drive. i got to tell you, she shared with me recently that uh, in terms of me coaching her and Jessica coaching her, she said, Dad, i got to be honest with you. I like your coaching a little bit better, she said, because you're a lot more laid back than Mom is. <laughs> and I think that was a kind way of saying, Mom is hysterical out there. <laughs> because she went on to say, I mean, Dad, you wouldn't believe it. She said, Dad, I'm driving, and Mom's in the passenger seat like, Madeline, you're going to run into the ditch. Madeline, you're going to run over the center line. Madeline, you're going too fast down this hill. Madeline, you've got to stop at this stop sign here. 
And she said, Dad, you wouldn't believe it. I said, sweetheart, I would. I've been driving with her like that for 20 years. <laughs> and if you think I'm going to be in trouble when you get home, you're probably right. <laughs> oh, any, By the way, anybody else ever get help when you're driving from somebody? Yeah, don't you appreciate that? Well, Bob Goff had a special gift prepared for his daughter when she was in that first crash. When she crashed her car for the first time, he already had a gift for her. In fact, he had that gift for her before she was even born. Bob says that, he put a letter in a jar and he buried the letter. And along with a gift, he wrote in that letter how he forgave her for crashing the car. And he had written the letter and he had buried it in the ground and dated it even before she was born. And so when she wrecked her car for the first time, he gave her the coordinates and a shovel and said, I want you to go dig up a letter that I wrote to you before you were even born. When she found the buried note, she discovered that she had been forgiven long before she was born. Church Christ did virtually the same thing by sacrificing his life two millennia ago before any of us were born. And then he secured the message of forgiveness in the pages of his word for each of us to read. Somebody say amen. Listen, the gift of our forgiveness was something already paid for before we were born through what Jesus did at the cross. All we have to do is open it up and receive it. God says it this way in Romans 5, 6 through 8. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Church, we're fully forgiven. And we're unconditionally loved. And this morning as we take the Lord's Supper, we do so as children of the one true King. He loves us. And he couldn't love us any more. He couldn't love us any less. In celebration that we're children of God, as we draw to a close this morning, in celebration that we're children of God, this means that we're part of God's family forever. My kids, again, my kids will always be my kids no matter what they do. We're part of God's family forever. We can enjoy fellowship and real relationship with our Heavenly Father. As children of God, we're heirs to all of His blessings and all of His riches. As children of God, we have full access to all of His provision. As children of God, we have assurance of His fatherly protection upon our lives. As children of God, His love for us is unconditional. It's from heaven. It's from another place. And He came from that place. To lay down his life for our sins and to redeem us and to call us by name. The word 
or the, 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 the concept of redemption in Scripture, it's a fascinating one. It means to buy out. So the fact we're redeemed, it means that God has bought us out. We know He did that with His own blood. In Bible days, the term was used specifically to refer to the purchase of a slave's freedom. The word is applied in Scripture to the death of Christ that freed us from sin and from guilt and from hell. Listen to it as it's used in Titus 2, 13 and 14. The Word of God says, Jesus Christ gave Himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for Himself a people that are His very own, eager to do what is good. Listen to it in Galatians chapter 3 and 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. If we are redeemed, then our prior condition was one of slavery. In church, our current condition is one of freedom. The benefits of redemption in Scripture include eternal life and forgiveness of sins and righteousness and freedom from the law's curse and adoption into God's family and deliverance from sin's bondage and peace with God and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. To be redeemed then is to be forgiven, holy, justified, free, adopted and reconciled with our Heavenly Father. As we partake of the bread and the cup this morning, let's lift up a heart of praise. Let's lift up a heart of gratitude and let's thank God that through His blood He has redeemed us and He has restored us to be the treasure that He made us to be. In the new movie, and I close with this, in the new movie, Toy Story, Toy Story 4, there's a beautiful picture of redemption. One of the characters by the name of Bonnie goes off to kindergarten orientation. And while she's there during craft time, she makes a toy out of a spork and several other items that are on her table. How many of you know what a spork is? Cross between a, a fork and a spoon, right? Well, as creator of this toy, Bonnie falls in love with this spork that she names Forky. Here's a photo of Forky there before us this morning. And by the way... Rest and be at ease. I will not be giving any spoilers this morning, all right? You're welcome. Now, Forky has a hard time adapting to the human and the toy world because he's made out of stuff that we throw in the trash. And so a considerable amount of time is spent in the opening part of the movie by Woody just to try to keep Forky from the trash. Forky keeps gravitating towards the trash because that's what he was made out of. You might say that Forky is struggling from an identity crisis. While he's made from the things that we throw away, Forky must understand that he is not trash. He has been redeemed. He has been made new. He is now a toy. Church, like Forky, we have been redeemed. Like Forky, we need to be reminded that we are not trash. We are treasure in the eyes of the one true King.
And the Lord's Supper is a great reminder that the highest price was paid to rescue us from our sin. Our Lord came from heaven to earth, was born in a manger, lived a perfect life, and then died on the cross of Calvary to redeem us and to pay the price for our sins. We are loved by our Master and our Maker. And as we partake of the bread, that will remind us of the body of our Lord. And as we partake of the cup, that will remind us of the blood of our Lord. May we, re may we rejoice in the privilege that's ours in calling God our Father and being named as children of the one true King. At this time, we are going to transition into a time of preparation. Uh, as has been mentioned, uh, we do invite you to partake of the Lord's Supper with us this morning. Uh, if you're a baptized believer in Christ, you are welcome, even if you're not a member here at Second Baptist Church. But having said that, it's important for each of us to, as the Bible says, examine our hearts, to repent of sin in our life that we know Christ died to redeem us from. And so we're going to enter into a time of worship, a time of song, where we're saying, Lord, cleanse my heart. Lord, I confess my sin. Lord, show me where I need to be honest about things and sins I'm holding on to. And Lord, cleanse my heart to celebrate in your supper this morning. So uh, as Ben comes and our team comes to lead us, uh, the altar is going to be open if you want to come and pray. But we're going to stand and we're going to sing a song of praise and thanksgiving for forgiven sins as God cleanses our heart. Let's stand and sing this morning.